0: Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular.
1: Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancor, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger.
2: Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks.
3: Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I
4: am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunk's. Distinguished adventurers last time, on Dungeon Drunks, the Heralds have returned to Waterdeep after a successful mission to the elemental plane of water. After tying up a few loose ends and checking on a few things, they have gathered in their favorite tavern to relax and discuss what to do next. And of course, that means I'm about to throw... An adventure at them. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your damn Lauren. You might name, know me as Oboe. I have, for once, my groom's person mug, my giant groom's person mug. It just hey. has water with a little bit of flavoring in it because it is massive. And it is it is more for the love of my friend who I haven't seen and all my friends who I haven't seen in a year. And it's just a lot to drink. So it's going to take me this entire game to get through it. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Theron.
1: Travancore's choice this evening is eggnog masala chai, again in my groom's person mug. Wait, We're what? To... Yeah, so I took a little bit of eggnog and a little bit of milk and a little bit of water, threw it in, boiled it, threw in the uh, the uh, the tea leaves, threw in the masala powder. I almost said potti because I think of some words in Malayalam before English. Live tasting. Here we go. Oh dear. I'm excited. Oh, that's actually pretty good. The eggnog makes it a little thicker, of course. I think my wife put th- my lovely wife put cinnamon in here for me too, because I was thinking about it whether I should or should not. Aww. Then this happened. I had to run and take care of a bunch of fires, but yeah. that's really yummy. Actually, I'm I'm gonna be snacking on that for quite a while. It's almost like a, a, a drink you eat because of the <laughs> thickness.
4: Eggnog, yeah, that is that is kind of a, a thick drink. Carlton, what are you drinking?
1: We have a special guest with us
2: today.
4: I'm getting there. I'm building <laughs> my, up to it. My yeah. drink
2: uh, was specifically chosen for special guest. And it is a very, very tiny, small soda called Fruity King. And it is artificially flavored
0: orange. Ugh. But it is so tiny.
5: It is adorable. Smaller than your
4: hand. Yes, very it small.
0: is. Chibi Cola. Very, so. such small.
4: Do you have a backup drink for when you finish that in one gulp? <laughs>
0: I got a couple drops of
4: water. Oh, okay. <laughs> You got something. Bernie, what are you drinking?
3: Um, all right. So tonight, because it's the first night of Passover, I have a really, really, really big glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Is it
4: Manischewitz?
3: Uh, no, it's the red wine that I had in the house that I actually, it's a cab sab that we had picked up before the LCBO and I in part have it because my husband's parents actually brought me some Passover dinner because they knew that I was playing tonight and they wanted me to still be able to eat Passover dinner. So Lauren has a lot of um, background mouth sounds of mine that she's going to get to edit out. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but also because I because I believe that Jesus, even though he was a good Jewish boy, would probably also like chocolate eggs. I have, I'm following it up with, some, I don't think these are kosher for Passover. I, I no. don't i I'm not. Okay. I don't think Cadbury chocolate mini eggs are kosher for Passover,
4: <laughs> but they're delicious. <laughs> but it's a
3: good balance because I'm not Jewish. There but you go. My husband is, and so I get to partake in all the wonderful, amazing holidays that come with, and food that comes with being
4: Jewish. So, and I'm very, very jealous of your matzo ball soup, oh, it was Jonathan. So
0: good. <laughs> what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. Muscular, and tonight I have my usual. Truly cider, uh, except this one is spiked with a bit of vodka and served in my officiant mug that I got at uh, John's wedding just over a year ago. And uh, yeah, it's quite good. It, it the, the vodka adds a, just a little bit of kick to an otherwise very sweet seltzer. Did I say cider? I meant seltzer. I may have said cider. And I've already started drinking on this, so.
4: Well, you enjoy that while I ask our special guest, Hope. A.K.A. Penelope, what are you drinking? Well, hi, guys. I'm
5: Hope Lavelle, and I am playing Penelope the Brave, who you will Ooh. soon meet. And I am drinking a half pint of green tea. <laughs> nice. <laughs> a Very beautiful nice. hot green tea that gives me energy and warmth.
4: <laughs> like and it. you know what? That is the perfect thing for you to be drinking, as it is a cold, waterdeep winter night as we open up into our game. It is still winter time in Waterdeep, and while our normal friends that the camera would pan in on are ensconced in the warmth of the glow of the Golden Rock Tavern, we're currently outside with Penelope Halfpint and her friend Seekin as they trudge through the snow, heading to the door of the tavern, seeking opening it up for you as you walk on in. And as you enter the tavern, it seems like just kind of your standard city tavern. It's rather empty, except you're immediately drawn to this group in the corner that it's pretty obvious. These are some well-traveled, well-loved adventurers. If it wasn't for the gear that they currently were using the giant armored black bear would probably be the giveaway. The only other person in the tavern is uh, an older rye gentleman behind the bar seems to be cooking up a giant plate of bacon and as you enter Seekin waves to everybody and points to the group and says yeah, yeah, those, that's that's the group, that's, come on, come on, come on, come on and as you walk up, Carlton you yes. Describe yourself for our guest.
2: Before you at the table you see a very tall uh half-orc kind of battered and bruised not currently but like you can tell he's taken some hits over time. He's a fighter barbarian. Ar- uh, he's got a very nice large uh longsword next to him. Uh it's a pretty plain shield but it's got a very nice painting of a white dire wolf with blue eyes on
4: it. And next to him sits Travancore. What what does Penelope see for Travancore?
1: Uh, Travancore sees a noble half elf, uh, about five foot four, brown complexion, beard and mustache, finally long enough that he stopped doing regular beard and mustache checks on him, and uh, hair not lo- no longer going up, but long enough that it's starting to float down a little bit. He is wearing uh, usually his green is his primary color, but he has a, a long winter cloak with a little bit of uh, purple highlight. Purple on the inside seam of it, and he's standing next to a black bear, which I should I should I have described Shadow at this point.
4: Yeah, go ahead and give give us the Shadow lowdown.
1: And his animal companion, Shadow the Fire Bear, who recently actually became literally associated with that name. He is a large armored black bear who is largely docile in peace and mostly civilized, but uh, but still a bit wild around the edges and uh, very curious about his surroundings.
4: And next to him is bernie want to go ahead and describe yourself so you
3: see a gnome sitting as regally as possible in what amounts to a booster a child's booster seat but i feel like you'd notice that from just about any bar in a major city that also has gnomes has gnome specialized and smaller creature specialized gear and uh, she has Red hair braided around her head. she's wearing some scale mail, but most importantly, next to her is her battle mastiff, whom, while she isn't eating anything, she is uh feeding him from her plate every now and then.
4: and Next to her is the final member of this group, Jonathan. Go ahead and describe yourself. uh
0: sitting at the one of the edges of the uh, table is a what is very obviously a wizard. He is a brown-skinned, bald uh, man with with a bushy beard and a a much, much nicer mustache than I've got. Uh, He is dressed in purple iridescent robes, dark purple uh, iridescent robes that are strangely sleeveless, uh, showing off a massive set of arms, uh, surprising for a wizard type. And uh, he, he is a big boy. He is working on some, it looks like he's working on equations, and he seems flustered. But helping with his frustration is a small pygmy owl uh, uh, standing off on one of the pieces of paper, looking curiously as, uh, as they work on some spell that he's trying to figure out.
4: And the four of you look up to see... Your old friend Seacon padding over to you, despite the snow, still barefoot, uh, but bundled up in all of the rest of the ways that make sense. And next to him, as he doesn't actually introduce himself or Penelope or any of you, he just kind of continues to point to these these four folks sitting at this very nice table in this bar as though to say, all right, here we go. Uh, Next to him, Penelope, why don't you describe what the heralds see? you see the smallest halfling that you
5: ever may have met standing two foot seven inches tall with a big bushy mane of red hair and a few gray hairs starting to sprout this halfling has emerald eyes that sparkle with wonder and a dust of uh freckles on her face and you see that Anyone who may have known Penelope Halfpint in the past, she used to wear a, a shrub cloak of the forest floor that she would use to hide in, uh, but no longer does she don that outfit. She now has studded armor of beast that protects her as she wild shapes, and she looks almost almost Mad maxi, if you think about it. <laughs> as she now has battle armor on her and she seems to have a more wise appearance as this is an older version of Penelope many years in her story's future.
3: Bernie's going to look at her and look at Seacon and look back at Penelope She goes, are you from the Feywild? Because I'm not going back there."
0: <laughs> there. Is the magic she from muscular. the
3: Feywild? We're not going to the Feywild, Seekin.
0: Jonathan the Magic Muscular goes to Travancore. He's like, God. uh, Hey, Seekin! Buddy, what are you doing? If it's
1: about
3: the Feywild, the answer is no, but would you like a drink? Travancore's
1: actually happy to see Seekin, so he's going to get up and actually walk up to shake his hand.
3: I'm happy to see him depending on where he'd like
2: to take us.
1: My liver survived the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we at least know now to ask where we're going.
3: That's... True. That's true. That's very true. Hi. What is your name? And where? What? What
6: other? Um, what other planer? What other plane do you come from? Well, hello, friends. My name is Penelope. Penelope the Brave. It's so nice to meet you guys. Seeking here. Uh. Well, where do I come from? I come from all over the place. Uh. And I have traveled far and wide. And I, well, most recently I came from the Sword Coast and I just came here with Seekin because I seek your help. You know what? The Sword Coast sounds delightful. What do you need? <laughs>
4: Seekin, do you want to explain? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, so. Anyway, hi Travancore. And then he gets very distracted shaking your hand. <laughs> uh, and then he gathers himself again and says, well, um, uh, Penelope said she was here visiting. Uh, a treant friend of hers uh, with the druids just outside of Sucumber. Uh, Travancore, remember I told you there was a whole bunch of druids outside of Sucumber? There's, there's a whole bunch of druids?
1: Oh, yeah, it was a Sucumber to remember.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I like that. That's really funny. Anyway, she was there and it was bad.
6: Yeah, yeah, I mean, really bad. I was there to see Bitter You, my friend, the tree ant, but something was wrong with the forest, you guys. It's been taken over by, like, a fungus, a, a poisonous fungus that seems to cover everything, and, and, and these spores that fill the air, and, and it's just not that natural, and, and I, I need a group of people to help me
4: fix this.
6: You know, actually, this one's in our wheelhouse.
4: Yeah, I, th- I thought so, because I, I would love to help, but uh, uh, ducks aren't going to be very good there. So I, I, I said, I know these awesome people who helped me last time and I brought her right to you.
0: Well, Seekin, for once, you've made a excellent decision by bringing them to, to all of us. Jonathan the muscular is impressed. Thanks. What do I do now? <laughs> Sit down, buddy. We got gotcha. you.
4: Okay. And he sits down uh, and immediately starts grabbing some of the bacon off of Carlton's plate bernie said looks at Hi. your note
3: She's, would you like to have a seat dear and she kind of like motions to have the only other booster seat in the bar brought <laughs> over <laughs>
4: And Gustak, ever the the good host and proprietor, is already there with a seat. Uh, they're not even really booster seats. They are just chairs that have a rung of ladder up the side <laughs> and are appropriately sized for halflings, gnomes, goblins, kobolds, any of the the shorter folk. And he says, hey, here you, here you go. Uh, did, did you want to order anything? Or are you going to be here for long? And he sets it down.
2: Well, I need more bacon because somebody decided to help themselves.
6: Seekin, I thought you were a vegetarian. I would love to feast before we go if that is what everybody
4: else is doing.
2: It is now. <laughs> yes, break bread with us.
4: Feast. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll order up another feast. Hold on. And he, he heads on off.
3: Bernie looks at Penelope and goes, how do you fit it all? I'm not, I had a hot dog earlier and I'm not going to be able to eat for another day and a half. <laughs>
6: Uh, well, I, I don't know. I just really like food, so I just eat it a lot.
4: And Seekin, in the middle of eating his third piece of toast, says, Wild, wild shaping takes a lot. Mm.
6: Yeah, yeah, I could eat like a whole bear. Sometimes when I eat more, yeah, I just wild shape into the biggest <laughs> creature I can think of, and I just
0: eat and eat and eat. That is extremely clever. <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular is impressed for a second time.
3: Did you wild shape into Carlton?
0: I'm not
2: an animal.
6: What's a Carlton?
2: That's, That's a me. A Carlton. I'm a Carlton.
6: Oh, oh right, Carlton. Well, hello. It's so nice to meet you. A um, pleasure. I, I, I don't think I, I would never want to wild shape into you because you are a, a, an individual who is very unique and special.
2: Thank you, and you see, I'm unique and special.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, not remembering if introductions have been made or not. Travon Corey will say, "Hi, I'm Travin Corey."
6: Hello, Jaff and It's so nice to meet you. I like your, uh, your beard and your mustache thing.
1: Ah, thanks. It took forever to get it exactly the way I want it, and uh, now I'm worried about, like, maintaining it.
4: <laughs> wow, when did reality come into this? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> uh, art C- imitates life, imitates art.
4: Right? And Seacon says, oh no, it looks, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Jonathan, and that's Bucks. Bucks!
1: Yes, this is uh, Buxton
0: Bertram Bellwether, uh, but you can just call him Bucks. And and the owl looks at you, uh, kind of cocks his head, and then flies over to right in front of you and and looks up at you with uh, the most adorable uh, owl eyes from a very small owl.
5: Penelope looks right back, trying to imitate that adorable
6: eyes. Just, Hello, Bucks. It's so nice to meet you.
0: He flies up to your shoulder and sits and just like, Yay! Oh, he does like you. Wow. And I get I get images from Bucks uh, of comfort, like extreme comfort,
5: literally comfort, because I'm sure that Bucks can kind of nest in Penelope's giant
4: poof of hair.
0: That's exactly (laughs) what he's done.
4: And Seekin says, well, yeah, I mean, she's a pretty powerful druid. That's why. That's why. That's why. Yeah, (laughs) that's why. Also, that's why I brought her here, because when she said about all the stuff that was going on, if, if the druids that I know over in the woods are in trouble, they're going to they're need a lot of help. So you should probably go soon.
0: That's fine. Where is this we're going? Uh, and Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to kind of, he's going to get out his spell book and like flip to one of the appendices and take out a, a map. And it, you see, there are lots of uh, annotations, especially around the Sword Coast, and uh, and all sorts of other stuff. And He says, "So, where is this uh, grove?"
6: At? It's the Cumber. Oh, it's, it's like the south, uh, the Southwood, east of Cumber. That's where.
0: All right. So, Jonathan the Magimuscular is like, "Hmm, I've never been there." Does John, is Jonathan the Magimuscular aware of any uh, teleportation circles in the area?
4: There are no teleportation circles nearby, okay. but as you point to the map, Seekin looks at that and says, oh, okay, yeah, it's been a while since I've, I've been there, but I think I can get you there. Oh,
0: well, that's, that's one less uh, powerful spell that Jonathan the Muscular needs to use. Seekin, <laughs> you're all right.
3: Well, I try. get, how, how confident are you, darling, in the um, end, end result of whatever you're going to do to get us there?
4: Well, I got you to the Feywild, didn't I?
3: You did. That's true.
4: Yeah. Well, this is the same thing, just not as far, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, and he's patting his pockets and he looks over Johnson and says, Do you have any chalk?
0: uh jonathan the magic is like uh what color we've got blood red uh ritual blue or or arcane yellow
4: oh arc arcane yellow that sounds yeah i mean i i usually just go for white i just go for yeah but if it's arcane yellow that sounds really like i should use that i should buy some of the stuff that you have
0: yes you should
4: okay and he S- takes the chalk strange smile <laughs> <laughs> And he walks over to a section of the floor where he actually pushes aside one of the tables. You hear it creak across the floor, pushes aside all of the chairs and starts to draw on the floor. And Jonathan, you're very familiar with the glyphs and the uh, circles that he is putting down. And you know that momentarily a teleportation circle is about to open up.
0: Oh, we, he, he really meant now. Uh, guys, uh, we, we're going now. and Can we
6: get die? the food to go? Grab the food! Grab the food!
2: <laughs> Don't worry, Miss Brave. That's not. Yeah, a, follow-
0: you see Carlton just uh, shoveling.
1: Following the example of a senior druid, Travancore is furiously shoveling as much food as he can into his eyes. Uh, Jonathan carry-on.
0: the Medj Muscular is going to touch uh, his own chest, and you see a mage armor shimmer into existence, uh, which he should have cast as soon as he saw seeking. And then. Uh, <laughs> And, and then he's gonna go, Carlton, yep. um Carlton's yep. bowing his head down for his uh mage armor. Ha-cha! And uh <laughs> he gets a mind blank.
4: Okay, so Carlton and Jonathan are completing rituals of magic. Penelope, Bernie, and Travancore, I need dexterity checks to see how much of the food you're grabbing before you, <laughs> you run away
1: just all a Dexy right. boy. No. Dexy Wait, I'm lucky. boy. I'm lucky.
5: My nat one can be re-rolled. There you go.
4: Hey, oh!
5: Halflings!
1: Oh. The <laughs> most
3: undexterous person of them all got a 19.
4: Wow. Okay, my- N- 19. Penelope, Penelope,
3: what'd you get?
5: My, my dexterity is amazing, but after my one, I rolled a two. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Travancore,
4: what'd you roll?
1: Just call me Shell Michaels, because I'm a Dexie boy. Natural 20, 31.
4: Hey, hey, everybody
1: all the food,
4: drink! All the food. I don't know Dexy where it comes boy.
5: from! Fantasy Tupperware containers. Penelope is shoveling food, but she has nowhere to put it. So
4: <laughs> And that's where Travencore's natural twenty comes in. So Bernie is used to Carlton having a bag of holding. And so she thinks enough about grabbing the pouch at his side to open up and start putting what she thinks are things that make sense. Buns, fruit, veggies, things that are going to float around in a bag of holding and not be a problem. Penelope, you grab an entire plate. And you just kind of stand there for a moment, <laughs> like, I i don't know what to do with this. Travincore starts to essentially guide the entire table worth of food into Carlton's bag that Bernie is holding up with a grace of a juggler. Just food, 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 food. And then at the very last moment, just gently places a finger under your plate, Penelope, and tips the entire plate. <laughs> into the bag of holding just as Seekin finishes drawing the final glyph on the floor and the teleportation circle lights up and with a proud smile of look ma look what I did Seekin points to the lit teleportation circle and says there you go it's only going to be open for six seconds. Go save the world. <laughs> this- hey, let's go. Right. <laughs> the world? Wait, hold on, Alan. What, what? Once again, the stakes of this mission weren't abundantly clear. <laughs> <laughs> you all jump into the teleportation circle? Carlton oh, yeah.
2: looks at him at the edge until like it's right the very last moment and then just falls back into it, flipping him off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and he waves. Doesn't know what that means. <laughs> you. <laughs> every time. Every goddamn time with this Bernie's guy.
3: he's going to get on Koga's knee. She's like, I really, really thought we asked the right questions this time. And <laughs> she's just going to walk and trot him into the teleportation circle.
4: Yep. You all vanish in a lurch that is familiar to all of you as you are hurled across space and time. The camera lingers in the Golden Rock Tavern for a moment as the teleportation circle fades. And Seekin is still waving at the floor where you head all disappeared. I imagine
2: stock delivers the food to the <laughs> table right as we're right right to relieve.
4: <laughs> Literally what happens next is he comes up with a tray of seconds and firsts for some of you, but seconds for everybody. And looks over at Seekin and says... Are you Are going to pay for this? And then we <laughs> transition to a dark and foreboding wood that is overrun with lichen and moss. Every surface is covered in rot and decay. And the, the smell of fungus in the air is prevalent. There is spores hanging in the air. There is more moss and decay than there is snow. And as you all land on your feet in this, what should be a gorgeous winter wood, the smell is horrific. It is that sickly sweet mixture of rot and lichen that hits you like in a weird way in the back of the throat. And Ooh. Penelope, you instantly recognize you are maybe only a half a mile away from where you know you left the center of the grove, where your friend the tree ent was holding back the these horrible creatures that have been sent after you, and you you know exactly where to go.
6: We have to help better you quickly, you guys. Trevor uh, yeah. Cole wants to roll
1: a nature check to see um. How similar this is to the rot we encounter in the Crip Garden Forest. Oh, good job. Oh. was
3: actually going to look at Court and, and be like, is this, is, this a rot? is this a rot demon?
4: Go ahead and roll a nature check.
1: Okay, nature.
4: 18. It's not. It's not at all. The rot demon that you came across just destroyed everything. It was just laying waste. And while there was the decay, there was a necrosis to it, and there was no life at all where that demon was. This, while disturbing, there is growth, there is life. It's just mushrooms and slime and mycelial tendrils. Uh, This is a place that has been overcome with basically decay, but then the natural decay that then comes afterwards. It's just overgrown and... It's explosive. It is more than there should be, especially in the middle of winter.
1: I relay all of this to uh, to Bernie since she was in the process of asking. Jonathan the Match muscular is
0: going to go up to uh one of the one of the blooms and just kind of like he's got about to tap it with his finger, but then he backs up, casts mage hand and taps it with the mage hand instead. Do like spores come out?
4: Yeah, it's one of the like the, the mushroom, the bulbous mushrooms, mm. or yeah, yeah, it's not unnatural like you can tell this is this is something that you might expect even to see in the underdark it's not necessarily that this is in some weird extra planar thing it's just so much of it everywhere and the fact that it is in the middle of winter it's even growing and yeah when you touch there's a little
0: so penelope this is unusual for this area this level of
6: Fungus? Yes, yes. Usually this is a beautiful forest that thrives and grows because the druids here, they take such good care of it. But now even those druids are gone and and I don't, I don't know. We just, I don't know. We just need to figure out and and help this forest grow again.
0: Okay.
6: Are they gone or are they gone? I don't know.
0: Oh. Well, we should probably look into where they normally gather and see if there are any clues there, so... Yeah, let's set that way. Jonathan the adds as uh, it's gonna, is it dark in here? Like, is it like low light or during the day? Or okay, so Jonathan the muscular is gonna flip down his goggles of night, uh, just so he can see a little bit better.
5: Penelope is going to. Uh, May I offer us some cover just in case? And she's gonna pull out her staff of the Woodlands and kind of circle it around us a bit, and then uh, she's casting Pass Without Trace. Nice. Oh, mm. Works for me. Bernie's a, a deceptively. Clanky. Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: she is small with big noise. <laughs>
4: small with big noise. I, that's the name of this episode. Small with big noise. <laughs> <laughs> We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple livestreams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum Chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on May 23rd at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. R-O-L-F-L-O-W-S-P-U-N-G So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. The atmosphere around here, not only is it late in the evening, the sun has gone down, it is cold, but there is no natural light except for every once in a while you see some phosphorescent fungus, you see a mushroom or two that is glowing, but it's all very dim. It is very, very low light and you can tell within the next 10 to 20 minutes when the sun fully has set, it is going to be very, very dark. Uh, We've got Pass Without Trace up, so as Penelope starts to lead you towards the the grove where you know your friend, the Treant, is, and these druids were, I would love some stealth checks from everybody.
3: Wait, if I have disadvantage, I have to roll twice, yeah?
2: Yeah.
4: And take the lower result, but then you still get to add 10, thanks to Penelope. Oh,
3: the first result
4: was good, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Carlton.
2: That would be a... Uh, 11, so 21.
4: And Penelope? 28. And Bernie?
5: This is a 15 plus 10, so we got a 25
3: going
1: nice. on here, which is ah, too really shabby good. for
4: Bernie. Clanky little bastard that she is. <laughs> yeah, you're doing better than Carlton. Uh, Jonathan? Uh, 19. And Travancore? 28. And Shadow?
1: 29. 29.
4: Yeah, you all did really nicely. I mean, even, even Jonathan with the 19 on the low, the being the low side, that's still... You're finding the correct places to walk while the snow is uncomfortable. It is helping to dampen the sound. And you're moving deftly through the woods silently. And it's disconcerting because this would naturally be a quiet wood in the middle of winter. You would expect it to be soft, but it's eerie. And it's weirdly lit in places as you continue forward following Penelope towards where she knows a bitter you was, was last seen. Because of the fact that every once in a while you come across these phosphorescent moss or a fungus that glows purple, or you see a tree that is just completely covered in lichen that's giving off this bluish glow. And so from moment to moment, there's this eerie feeling of an almost alien landscape and then you notice that the the trees in front of you they don't grow thicker but the empty branches that normally would be waiting for spring to bloom are now draped with lichen and vines that are covered in rot and moss and you're having to actually push them aside like curtains to get through before you move into a clearing it's not a huge clearing it's on a little bit of a rise you can kind of feel that actually Travancore and penelope go ahead and give me nature checks and i'll tell you what you can feel
1: nature boy
4: 17 20. The both of you definitely feel like this is or would be the heart of where a druid conclave would be. That the mounds that you see before you, you can tell these are were houses? You can't tell how long ago this was. This almost feels like You're looking at an ancient ruin covered in moss, but the way, Penelope, that you know about this, this this could only have been going on for a couple of days. And everything is just a mixture of this deceptively sweet rot and yet the feeling of a, a place that you would expect to find nature and joy, if not sleeping. And Penelope, you also notice on the right-hand side of this clearing, you do see Bitter You not moving, but you can tell that they are still... They're not dead, but as you get closer, they're not moving, and you think they are hibernating.
1: Bitter You.
5: Do I get the sense that they're okay? Uh, Go ahead and... Give me a nature
4: check. I'll give you advantage on this, since you, you know tree ants pretty well.
5: Ugh. 17.
4: You run on up and kind of brush away some of the snow and a little bit of the, the moss and everything. This was maybe only a couple of hours ago since you fled. He, uh, they are laying on their side, which is why you noticed them, because there's no other trees that have been felled, even with all of this rock going on. and. If it wasn't for the state of this grove, you would think they were just kind of sleeping. But no, you get the sense that they have gone back into hibernation. And you think for the moment they are okay, that this is probably a defensive mechanism. Uh, But you do notice that there are, as you brush away the, the snow, there are portions of their bark that have started to become overgrown with moss.
6: We have to hurry this whole land could be covered before dawn. Wait, John- you left him a couple of hours ago? Then? It hasn't been very long.
0: It's incredible. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to start looking around and seeing if there's, like, any sort of origin point for, the, for this infestation. Any, any kind of, like, I don't know, is there a meteor impact or, like, a, like a, a fungus prime that's, that's <laughs> all it that seems to be coming from?
3: I was going to say, while you're doing that, Bernie's going to do something. Okay.
4: Jonathan, give me a perception check.
0: Oh, it was on an 18 and then it got to be a two. So it's a four total.
4: So the only thing that you really notice, you don't notice anything like a meteor impact or anything obvious. It is very clear that on the gentle rise in this clearing that you're in, there are these three mounds that seem to be cottage-shaped, small cottages in a triangle towards the top of the the hill, but they are so overgrown with moss and decay, it is as if it has been decades, centuries. Um, they're practically melded into the hillside and the only other thing that you do notice is of the three, one of them you do think has completely collapsed. But that's all you see. Bernie, what is it that you wanted to do?
3: Um, Bernie wants to see if she can heal the treant. Give me a nature check. Or
4: actually, give me a medicine check. Okay, good. Because I was like, no.
3: Nature, Give me a,
4: a medicine check. Assuming that, Penelope, have you told the rest of the group what's what you sensed with Bitter You? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so 21. You don't think healing is going to help because you think that right now Bitter You is in a kind of, of hibernation. And from what Penelope is telling you, you think until they come out of hibernation, there's not too much you can do. But if... They come out, and they're still injured in some way. There might be some, some things you can help with. But at this moment, they're kind of in the safest place that you think they can be. But there's not much you can do while they're in this state.
6: Well, we can heal your friend if we can get them out of hibernation. I think that hibernating is the best thing for Better You right now. We can take care of this problem. We got this. Okay. Do we know where the problem came from? Is,
5: is there, is, would Penelope know, you know, how like moss only grows on the north side of tree kind of myth or anything that might lead us to the center of the issue?
4: Give me a perception check. It's a 23. Nice. Looking around, especially as you've been walking through the woods and from what you remember this looking like just a few hours ago, you can smell the difference from where you teleported into to just, you know, this is 15 minutes of walking through the woods. It smells so much heavier here. You're definitely closer to, if, if not at the source, you're super close to the source. The same way rot has that flavor that you can almost taste in the back of your throat. And as you look around this clearing... The two, you know that there were three druids who used to live here, who should be living here, and you think these were their, their houses. And two of them are still standing. You can actually see, as you get a little closer, the doors, um, the shape of the house, even though, if you imagine a hobbit hole, except something dark, something that it was a house that was overtaken by the land. And over, overrun with moss and fungus. That's what you're seeing out of these two houses. And the third one, the same thing happened, but it looks like that one just collapsed under the weight. And so you're pretty sure as you move up towards these two houses that are still left, that are completely subsumed by the fungus, it's coming from around there. This is, this is the center point. Something happened here. You can just taste it in the air.
5: Penelope's gonna look at these two houses and then just think very pensively, almost wisely. And then she goes, Eeny, meeny, miny,
6: moe, get the tiger by your toe. I choose that one. And she's gonna go into the one on the left. Is All right.
3: Someone's gotta go with her. Are, they, are we going with her? And she's like, Bernie's it, watching think. this and she's like
4: looking around. She's like, are we, we're going, we're going, Are you, we're going." Yeah, we're going. All right, Penelope, you push open the door and after a moment of hesitation, it sounds like everybody's following. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Penelope, roll me a D4 and tell me if it's even or odd. Oh, God. It is even. Okay. You push open the door and it takes almost no effort. It's as though the wood has been just waiting for this last moment to crumble in your hands. A home that you know... At least several days ago, if if Bitter You was to be believed, was just a normal little house, uh, a cottage here in the woods for a nice druid, a nice group of of druids. And as it crumbles and you walk on in, uh, you see that what used to be a cottage is now a shell of a... Large room barely held together. There are stalks of slimy violet mushrooms that are almost as tall as you, kind of dotted all over the place. The walls are covered in these mitochondrial tendrils, and there is this weird mauveish red glow coming off of everything. And on the far side of this hut, amongst the mounds of decay and lichen and fungus, you do see two figures, furbogs, lying amongst a bed of this red moss, almost completely covered, their flesh intertwining with these oozy tendrils. And... The smell in here is actually Bernie. Roll me a religion check, or not Ooh. a religion check. Roll me a um. Roll me a wisdom saving throw.
5: <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that's even oh better. No.
4: Shit. That's it's it's not an oh no, but you'll understand why in a second.
3: Oh no. What'd you roll? A one.
4: But. A plus twelve, which is a thirteen. Oh, okay. From the other <laughs> side of the room. Huh, there's something weird about that. <laughs> and what do you do? Bernie gets I mean, I feel like she's a she's a
3: commenter of of things. She gets Um, do you know them? Is this normal? This seems
4: mm, abnormal. Penelope, you do know that the you don't know the three druids in this wood very well. You only know of them as mentioned by You. but all three of the druids in this grove are furballs.
6: Well, uh- I know that... that I don't think they're supposed to look like that. I don't think they're supposed to look like that either. Okay, so, you know, here's the thing. Could I try
3: something? I mean, this probably won't work, but, like, you know how sometimes you go through this whole rigmarole and then all you really need to do is turn something off and turn it back on? What if I cast Dispel Magic?
6: I mean, I
3: could try. This seems pretty magical to me. Is anybody with better knowledge of strange?
2: Yeah, let me take a look <laughs> at it.
3: <laughs> Bernie was like pointedly looking at Travancore and Jonathan and Penelope, and she goes, <laughs> "Yeah." And then she like looks over at Colin. She goes, "Yeah, Carl, you na- naturey. Do you think this is magical, naturey? Oh uh, yeah, think let me, let me, uh, is... let me,
2: let me, let me give it a gander here. What kind of role do you want, Lauren? <laughs> oh,
4: well, are you what?" What are you doing, and are you just walking up to these... What are you walking up to? What are you doing?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, she wants me to investigate this area right here, so I'm going to kind of get up in close and uh, give it the good old college inspection.
3: You're going to do instead of... So what Carlton is doing, ladies and gentlemen, is when you took whatever required science class in college that had a lab, and they told you if you needed to smell something, to stand back and gently... Kind of with it. It. use your hand yeah. to get the, the, the scent to you. Carlton heard that suggestion and just stuck his nose in the beaker and went. Oh.
2: He is <laughs> Al Pacino, a uh, pile of cocaine. Smelling That's of what's also going a description.
3: Oh, no. oh That's she's... also a description.
4: Okay. Oh Bernie wants, dear. Do,
3: Bernie wants to turn a computer off and turn it back on, and Carlton's like, "I'm gonna lick it and see if that'll
2: tell us anything."
4: <laughs> so you're approaching these two figures uh, and taking a, a close whiff. Uh,
2: so the, with the figures, I'm gonna smell them. I'm gonna like kind of look around for any like obvious signs of like arcane or like more natural things, or you know. I'm not actually a pile of cocaine. Smelling them.
3: <laughs> okay, I know, but this is your behavior. Bernie's like, "Oh, what do you think?" And Carlton's like, "I'm gonna get closer." And Bernie's mm-hmm.
2: like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm gonna get. I, I mean, I, the closer it is to my face, the better I can see it. I'm gonna lick it.
4: <laughs> are you? Are you actually touching or licking? I, I will that. not lick, but I question. will be touching. Okay, give me a perception. Oh, check. Don't touch it. Thank Harley. you for your restraint.
2: Listen, I've done a lot of growing over the past, uh, like. Two months that we've been adventuring? I wanted to say five years, but our characters haven't been adventuring for five years. Uh, 29.
4: Okay. okay. Hold you. on a second, I need to roll something.
0: Uh-oh. If they try to invade your mind, uh, you are harder to charm right now, at the very least.
3: Oh, okay. I, I don't know if you know this, Hope, but Cotton has a horrible track record. <laughs> concerning things that want to be inside his brain and the fact that the doors are just
2: wide I open. I have <laughs> a great track record with strangers who want to be my
0: friends. <laughs> this, this is, is why Jonathan the Magimuscular <laughs> <laughs> spends an 8th level spell every day for every his day. friend Carlton.
3: Every, Literally every day in the game, there is a morning ritual that involves this. Because of the number of times (laughs) that we had our our only, like, hard tank tank go flying off into the sunshine (laughs) after a beholder or something. Vampire. I'm
4: feeling very called out right now. Anyway, (laughs) Carlton. Yes. You come over to one of these two bodies lying on the floor. And with your, was it 29, you said? 29. With your 29, you are able to gather several things. First off, they are bodies. These are, unfortunately, two dead furbogs. They're covered in this red moss, lichen, but they don't seem to be, like... They're not damaged in any significant way. Like, you can't tell immediately how they died. It's just very obvious that they are, unfortunately, dead. And you reach up and... Pull some of the red bits aside in order to get kind of a a closer look at their chest. Of course, yeah. And as you do that, and you can see the uh, the simple green and brown robes that they're wearing, and you do notice that there are injuries here, like they were in a, a battle. And then the red tendrils that you pulled aside, you're looking at this fur bog and they lash out at you. Uh, does a 16 hit you? No, no, it does not. So you actually feel these red tendrils as you've pulled them aside. They continue to move, and then they lash out, and they try to whack you up the side of the head, and you're like, ah! I'm
2: busy. I'm busy right here. Hold on.
4: And I need everybody to roll initiative. Hmm.
1: So hey, what's for my grand plan to talk to the red moss.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk to the dead bogs, so at least we're on the same page there.
0: <laughs> Wait, you have speak with plants, right? I do.
1: Does that work Ooh. on things that aren't plants? Well, with moss is <laughs> a plant. Is no,
3: it's is, fungus. Fungus, yeah, it's a Moss lich- is a fungus? I thought moss. Yeah. A,
1: lichen's a fungus. I thought moss itself was a plant. I mean, I, I, I'm I not, moss not educated li- in these matters, so I'm well, not sure.
3: To the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, 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 friends. Mosses, unlike fungi, are plants.
0: Oh. Which,
3: which means, yes, Travancore. You can. can talk Except they're to talking the moss. us
1: now. <laughs>
2: It's Are they like Maybe the sloths after. of the plant world plant world where they're just like, uh I don't know, Travis. I don't why know. Though,
3: why would moss be the sloth of the plant world? <sighs> like, isn't moss really them... slow
2: like slow growing plant? You'll
4: Learning find out when about you talk about the to them.
3: land. Fun guy. Okay. Oh, there's a lichen versus moss's chart. Lauren, we promised you no tangents. I'm sorry, I'll X up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least that is
4: related to what we're doing. Uh, Carlton?
2: Uh, I got a uh, 15 on my
0: initiative. Jonathan? Also a 15, but I believe my dex is lower than Carlton's.
4: Okay. And for the sake of uh, this combat, have Bucks go either before or after you. I'll let you decide. Travancore?
1: 25.
4: And Bernie? Oh, well, that's about right. I got a six. Okay. So the equivalent of getting a nice definition of initiative. You were just thinking about it. Penelope?
5: With my beautiful plus nine initiative, (laughs) I got a 13.
4: Oh no. (laughs) Okay, and Shadow. 12. Okay, let's start this combat. Travancore. Yo, yo. You're used to keeping an eye out. You're used to this moment happening. You get to go first. Let me tell you what you see in this moment. So not only does the the stuff that is surrounding these two dead furbolgs lash out at Carlton in a very weird way. You do see three other figures appear. Two of them, all three of them, it's as if part of the wall disengages and a creature that seems to be made out of fungus appears. Two of them come down from the ceiling and seem to be... Bird-like, They have wings and claws, but everything is sticks and moss and drooping bits of slime. And from your left, there is a humanoid creature, also regaled in the same way, just covered in mycundrial goop and fungus and rot. None of them are next to any of you at the moment, but Carlton is about... 35, 40 feet away in front of you, and the rest of you are still at the door, what would you like to do? All right,
1: so I'll just manual it then, just so plus 11 is so I'm going to do my sharpshooter feet. I'm going to target the, the first one you described, the uh, the armored one, and uh, I'm to take that sharpshooter One of the thing.
4: bird creatures coming down from the ceiling?
1: Yes, one of the Harvey Birdmen. Sure. Uh, it's going to be a, gosh, math, uh, 18. 18 hits? All right, and I get to add uh, 10 to whatever this is. All right. was oh, a 15. It's 15, I think. Yeah, 15. Yeah. 8 plus 15 plus... Okay, so normally it'd be 8. I'm gonna disorder a 1. Yay. Uh, so I just add 15 to that, so it's gonna be 23, because math. All right. Thank you for joining me on this journey.
4: I have joined you on this journey, and now you get to do it again, because I believe you get a second shot.
1: That's true. All right, so I'm to call the sharpshooter feet again.
4: Yeah, you shoot at it as uh, the arrow does sink into it with a, a wet squelch as it pierces through a whole bunch of this moss
1: okay this roll Ooh, that's uh let's see four plus 11 that's gonna be a 15 that just hits yay all right so add 15 to whatever this is much better this time 14 plus 15 <laughs> 14 yeah plus 15 is 29 so yay
4: yeah your two arrows sink into this moss. You can't tell if it's a creature made of moss or a moss-covered creature. Either way, bits of the the fungus go flying off as these two arrows do some pretty grievous wounds. Uh, anything else? I got two kids. That's why I can't math. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That is why we have calculators and D&D Beyond. All
1: right. And that's it for me.
4: All right. Carlton. Carlton's
2: sciencing pretty hard right now. He feels like he's doing a good job at being... Scientist Carlton and this red thing is just bapping him annoyingly. And it's pissing him off, so he's gonna rage. All right, you do. And since I am in melee, flap, uh, flapping or uh, smacking range, uh, I like flapping.
3: flapping. Fla- That's a good.
2: Yeah, I'm being flapped because I'm not actually getting hurt by it yet. I'm going to, go to attack the red tendrils. All right. Uh, does a 16 hit?
4: Um, yes, a 16 does hit.
2: All right, that'll be uh, 16 points of damage
4: okay, yeah, you slash into it, and it's weird because now that you've taken this moment, even in your rage, to look at one of these enemies oh, that's in uh, front 18, of you
2: because uh I forgot it doesn't auto add rage damage
4: okay you you take a look at these th- flailing red tendrils as you slash at it, and you follow them, and you realize. This entire interior is covered in them, and they are all now starting to pulse. Oh. Uh.
2: Oh. Uh. Guys, I did it, Tom.
3: What? What'd you do? What'd you do?
2: Uh, I woke up the, the house.
3: I'm sorry.
4: What? I What <laughs> would you like to do? What would you like to do for uh, your second attack? Am I still attack?
2: engaged with these red tendrils, or am I able to move without being smacked back?
4: So, out of game... You are always adjacent to them, so you could move anywhere you gotcha, want. because I'm
2: inside. All right, cool. Then I'm going to move to the bird, uh, Harvey Birdman that Travencord just shot. Sure. Because uh, he's still up there. And I'm going to give him my second smack. Question, does a 31 hit? Hold on. Does yes. a
4: 31 hit? <laughs> I like that you asked that.
2: You never know. Listen. You never know.
4: You never know. I mean know. one day. You never know when I'm going to shield yeah. and the next thing you know, you, but yes, it does hit.
2: So that's going to be 10 plus my rage, uh 13 points total.
4: All right. Yeah, you you slice into a part of this creature and now that you are close and next to it, it's it's kind of above you. You're having to to uh <laughs> was, hit like, kind above of you. Like poking up at the ceiling with it. <laughs> yeah, and ooze is just dripping out. It's that that horrible goop that you find on the inside of mushrooms. Ah. Yeah. Anything else?
2: No, I'm going to be here to kind of
4: protect the pack. All right, Jonathan, it's your turn.
0: All right, Jonathan
4: the muscular
0: springs into action. And the first thing he is going to do, uh, he's going to hold on to that spell because uh, we might want to go home today. And so he is going to instead, he kind of takes up a boxing stance and he throws a punch at the... It, are any of the Harvey Birdmen that uh, that either Carlton or Travancore have attacked, are they still up?
4: Both of them are still up. Only one has been attacked. So the one that's been hurt is basically directly above Carlton. The other one is... Nothing is directly next to you at the moment. So one of them is hurt, the other one is not, and there's the third humanoid creature that's come out of the wall to your left.
0: So he throw so Jonathan the Magimuscular Muscular throws an uppercut, and as he does, his fist is surrounded by purple force that grows and grows and grows and grows and, grows and becomes a big bee's hand as he uppercuts the uh the birdman that has been hit and casts Big bee's hand. All right. Big Bee's punch Big bee's punch. Let's see if this actually does what i needed to do uh does a 28 hit definitely all right so the uh the harvey birdman takes 13 points of force damage okay and i believe that is gonna be it for his turn as the as the fist stays up there and gets ready to to punch again here in a
5: bit
4: all right penelope your new friends have sprung into action but it is your turn what would you like to do can you just
5: uh, once again elaborate
4: on these
5: these tentacles or these tendrils that uh Carlton was, I don't know, uh work working on. It made everything else move? Like what else is like it was connected to other things?
4: Looking around very quickly, it's as if the the whole interior of this house is covered in a bunch of different stuff, but there's a layer of these red tendrils that seems to be everywhere. And those are the things that on the bot on the floor in front of you at the far end of the house are also covering the two bodies. And when Carlton slashed into it, because you get the sense this seems to be one large creature, the whole creature shuddered. So...
5: Okay. Penelope will look at all of this, all the chaos that has begun, and she's just going to, in a calm moment, look at the tendrils and just say,
6: "This is for my druid kin." And she casts blight upon the nice the tendrils. Nice, okay.
0: okay. nice, nice.
6: That's a save.
5: It is a oopsies. <laughs> it's an oopsies. Uh, it is <laughs> not, <laughs> it's not an, an oopsies.
4: It's an oopsie oh, daisy.
3: You gotta make an oopsie daisy. Constitution roll. saving throw.
4: Okay, I think a
3: constitution saving throw could fall under a noopsy daisy roll.
4: Okay. <laughs> Not ro- a dexterity. It rolled a two, so all right, <laughs> that's a bonus. Noopsy that daisy. All
5: right, that'll be thirty-seven points of necrotic energy as I take Ooh. its vitality. Oh, that's very nice.
4: You
3: watch. Bernie looks at Travancore and goes, "Can you do that?
4: <laughs> Not yet.
6: <laughs> oh, it's good. It's real good.
4: So you." reach out and blight near you and the whole house shudders as this cr- the whatever this fungus is that has encircled the entire house just reacts to your blight and bits of it blacken and carlton since you're the closest to because you're really the only person who's entered fully into the house. Everybody's kind of just still within the threshold. You're the closest to the two bodies. And you do see some of the red tendrils around the bodies kind of wither and crack. Anything else? Ooh. Uh, n- yeah. No, I'll hold it. Okay, that's it. Carlton, the creature above you yeah. is going Wait. to...
3: What? Oh, they go before me. Yeah, I go after everyone. Don't remember. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry I Bernie. Like, what about Bernie? I and then
4: oh, it's all—it's always, always like this. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you do get to go before one of the creatures. You did beat. Oh. you did beat one of my three. Uh, so first, it is the one that is above Carlton. the horrid flying-ish creature. It's not even really flying. It's still just kind of gripping the, the ceiling and has dropped down a little bit towards you. It opens a beak and this screech emanates from it. And it's this high-pitched whine that almost is inaudible, but you can kind of feel it in the back of your head as the the mouth of this bird-like creature also drips with more of this goo. I need everyone to make constitution saving throws.
0: Kay. Oh, dear.
4: And if you... Oh, dear. Uh, the DC is 14. Oh, So boy. if you failed, give me a hand raise if you failed. I'm still seeing rolling happening, so... It's just silent sadness.
0: I'm just raising my eyebrows because I barely, like college, I barely passed.
4: Okay.
2: (laughs) So Carlton has a plus 11 to his con and he rolled a three. So he is on that Jonathan coasting through the classroom.
4: Okay. And it sounds like- she's kind of mad at neither of you for studying and she's, even though she still failed. And it looks like both Travancore and Shadow succeeded? Aye. Awesome. Okay. Penelope and Bernie- Something about this horrible noise just tightens around your brain. The both of you are stunned Ah-ah. until the end of this creature's next turn. Woof. Boo. Mang.
3: <laughs> so Bernie's just not going to go, right? Like that's...
4: Unfortunately, that is correct. It's <laughs> going to get to your turn and you are going to be stunned. That is the end of that creature's turn. It's Shadow's turn.
1: Oh. Shadow the fire bear. Seeing his friend at a time of need. Actually, before I go into my whole shadow spiel, like because we're here to the mining this, diff- typical flanking rules apply here, and not so much.
4: Uh yes, but the only creature that's currently on the floor that could be flanked is the w- the humanoid one off to your left. Everything else is on the ceiling or is a house.
1: Is <laughs> a house. Got it. And that one does that one have someone there so I could enter flanking? Not yet. Not okay. yet. All right, in that case, uh, Shadow's going to go the way of focused fire. He's going to try and grab a seat near the Harky Birdman that Ch- Carlton and, and Travancore already attacked. Sure. And uh, Shadow's going to multi-attack him. Let's see. Go the for multi-attack it. Multi-attack plus... Uh, Massive
4: black bear armored with weirdly glowing claws and heat coming out of his muzzle stands up now taller than Carlton and can easily swipe at this creature on the ceiling.
1: That's going to be a 23 to hit. Absolutely. Bite. That's going to be a 12 damage. All right. And now here comes the claw. that's going here to be comes to claws. Here comes the claws. Claws. Sorry. Still getting used to claw. doing shadow and B&D and beyond. Okay, that's going to be a 20, a uh, soft 20 to attack. Absolutely. And uh, the Darnage is going to be, uh, that's going to be a 11 damage oh i forgot the fire damage on the bite okay so add six to whatever i said before that's gonna be 11 plus uh six. oh one die six i got to do the die sixes for uh fire, fire damage right yeah shoot all right my well, badness you know
4: what i will make your life easy because with that last little bit of fire damage shadow his so he bites down and then he swipes at this creature and that's what's needed for it to and fall to the ground no longer moving
1: thank you dungeon master
4: is there anything else that shadow wants to do
1: no i think shadow is done for
4: now all right uh it is the other flying creature it is going to yeah it's going to crawl across the top of the ceiling almost spider-like and it is going to shake And as it does, the spores that are all over its body explode out. I need Shadow and Carlton to make constitution saving throws. And this is the one above me? No, that one is dead. This is a new one that has now moved into, uh, be within a certain radius of the two people who who are in the middle of the room. So Shadow and Carlton.
1: I get advantage on that one. I'm going to roll again. 22 for Shadow.
4: Both of you succeed. You both take five poison damage that's already halved and nothing else happens as these shower of spores falls around you and you're able to resist the the weird, ugh. Am I
2: within five feet of this thing that shook its spores at me? No. Okay.
4: It's getting you in shadow because the both of you are in the room, but it's not within five feet of you yet. It's pretty close though. Uh, That's the end of its turn. Bernie, unfortunately, you are stunned. You take a moment, and at the end of your turn, you come out of it, but you do spend your turn, Mm. and then it is the creature on the left, this humanoid mass of fungus, walks almost casually into the, the room, walks up to Carlton, and... The arm raises, and there's, there's no distinction between fingers, there's no details to tell what kind of creature this is, if this is just a humanoid mass of fungus, or if there is something under all of it, and it lays a hand on your shoulder, and I need you, Carlton, to make a constitution saving throw. 29. Nice. Okay, you are going to succeed, so you'll only take half of this damage. Great.
3: Also, I do not have my little board, so you guys are in charge today of telling me when you get below a certain amount that you're worried about being healed.
4: As this creature touches you, you feel this necrosis course through your body as it has cast harm. And wow. you would take 48 necrotic damage, am but will have that since you Am succeeded. I in range of that? Um, because it's casting a spell, right? Yes, it is.
0: Uh, am I within 60 feet?
4: Yes. Would you like to try to counterspell?
0: I would like to try and counterspell that. I don't... I don't. Uh, so I see it trying to cast a spell, so I don't know what spell it is. So just to be safe, I'm going to throw a fourth level. I, I, Jonathan, in, in his mind, Jonathan the Medge Muscular is like, Oh, that looks a little nastier than." And so he's going to throw a fourth level, but I know that I'm going to Still have to roll, right? You are still going to have to roll. Okay, so let me mark off the spell slot and then... Okay, that is going to be a 23 then.
4: Then you do succeed. So Carlton, you do not take 24 necrotic damage as you are able to avoid getting harmed by it. But it is now, and it was deceptively calm. There was no weird motions. There was no, and now that you're next to it, there's no face. There's no, it's a head, but there's just a mass of moss and lichen and nothing else.
0: This is some like, like Last of Us, Halo Flood, uh, sort of horror stuff here.
4: I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Travancore, I'm sure you don't like it either, and it is your turn.
1: Okay, let's see. Who's left? Uh, there's a humanoid figure there as well who's taking a bit of damage.
4: Uh, the humanoid figure hasn't taken any damage. There Not yet. is oh. the flying creature that hasn't taken any damage, and then there's the third one that is dead.
1: Well, you're going to do some elvenoid on humanoid damage here. Travancore's going to cast, on his bonus action, Hunter's Mark on the humanoid character. Sure. And he is going to istle gall him again this time, not using his feet, which means I can just click this button and uh, hopefully it should work, okay, all right that's gonna be a twenty three to hit it does all right. we're gonna do nine damage plus another three from the hunter's mark, okay, and I got one more attack. here we go ha <laughs> ha
4: Hello is that a natural 20?
1: But a natural for my third of Ooh, the game. Everybody's nice. I playing played the last two
4: first two times. Very nice. Go ahead and roll. Cheers right. that. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay, here we go. And that's going to be another 21 points of uh of damage plus I have double the uh double the dice on this one too. So just roll two of these. That's going to be another 8 from uh from Hunter's mark.
4: Nice. Where do you hit this thing that does so much damage?
1: Oh, Travancore's favorite place, the eye.
4: It has no and eye. It's weird. There is there is no eye, but you do sink the shot right where it would be, right where you expect an eye to be on a humanoid where the head is. And the arrow lands and sinks in deep. And so now Carlton facing off, in quotes, against you. There, once again, no features on this face, but now... One of Travancore's signature arrows, one of his magic arrows, is just poking out of a mass of moss and fungus. He's Anything trying else?
0: to take the
1: face off.
4: boom Anything else, Travancore? Uh,
1: I think... Uh, how close is Travancore? Is he in danger of any of these guys getting close to him and then within the next turn, or is he solid?
4: Uh, they're about 10, 15 feet away. There's nothing directly next to you. This whole room is maybe about 35, 40 feet, and the fight seems to be happening in the middle.
1: core is going to move back as far as he can and, and still remain in what would weapon range
4: of, of all the attacks of, of the, all the available targets. Uh, because of Sharpshooter, you could exit the house if you wanted to.
3: <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Was Bernie in her state of being stunned able to communicate that she thinks we should all leave the house and Jonathan should just burn it down?
4: <laughs> While stunned, no, but you are no longer stunned. And so uh, you can't really talk too much right now because we're in combat, but you are no longer stunned. Okay. All right, so you got to well, keep it quick.
3: Bernie wants to communicate that she thinks she says, "Gal out of the house. Start it burn
4: it down, burn it down, burn it down.
1: And on hearing that, Travancore is going to get on out of the house.
4: All right, Carlton, you have a humanoid in front of you and a flying creature about 10 feet on the ceiling away from you.
2: Well, obviously, I'm, I know Jonathan can sculpt fire around me, so I am going to put my sword into the face of Mr. No-Touchy.
4: <laughs> All right.
2: Twenty nine. We'll hit for uh fourteen. All right. Second hit.
4: You watch a sloth of fungus come falling off of this thing. <laughs>
2: that was that was a natural one.
0: Oh no!
4: Unfortunately, you miss, Carlton. Why why did you fail so miserably at this hit?
2: I got a little cocky. Is really what it comes down to? And uh, I got taken aback by like the sloughing off, and I went. <laughs>
4: All right. Anything else?
2: You know, I am actually going to exit out of the room so he can try to hit me with an attack of opportunity.
4: All right. Uh, yep. A rotting fist will come out and try to hit you. Uh, does a 26 hit? Yes. Okay. Uh, you are going to take 14 bludgeoning damage. All right.
2: Uh, so I'll take half of that.
4: And 21 necrotic damage.
2: I'll take all of that.
4: And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Uh, 14. Uh, you're going to take an extra 10 necrotic damage. And something's wrong. Okay. That's, that left a mark. That something's bad. Yeah, definitely. But you can move.
2: But as I get hit and I take all that damage, the emerald in my pommel starts to glow. And I lash back out using my Sword of Answerings feature. I wanted to okay. use it, so I, I took the hit. For those of you at home, this is the first time I'm using it. When I take damage, uh, I can use my reaction to make it one melee attack against any creature that, in my reach that hit me or dealt damage to me. I have advantage on the attack roll and any damage dealt ignores any immunity or resistance.
4: Okay. Go ahead and make that attack.
2: 25. That hits. Well, 15 points. And I will exit the house.
4: Exit the house. Feeling like that hit left a mark. Yeah, not too good. Jonathan, is your turn.
0: All right. Jonathan the Muscular is going to continue to work. The flying creature that he hit previously is still up, right?
4: Uh, that one is dead, but there's the okay. other one and the humanoid creature.
0: All right. So Jonathan the Muscular, as a bonus action, is going to redirect the fist to just kind of smash the humanoid one, and he is going to make an attack. Where did it go now? Oh, good. Where did it go? Does a sixteen hit?
4: No, it does not. Okay. It it connects and it just seems to thunk into it, but doesn't seem to hit hard enough to do any damage.
0: Okay, then he is going to uh, Jonathan the Muscular is going to start backing out. He is there any way he can place a fireball? To hit both of the remaining creatures and include the house as part of the uh, part of the area of effect.
4: It's pretty impossible to not include the house.
0: Okay, Jonathan the Mad Muscular is going to cast a fifth level fireball to include all of those targets, and it's high enough level to exclude whomever he wants. It's going to okay. get sculpted around them, but he is going to arcane overcharge the fireball. So it's going to do maximum damage. So it's going to do 65 damage. Okay. And uh, they need to make a deck save.
4: All right. The house fails. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And while I'm rolling, do you want to describe to Penelope what happens? Because you're Penelope, you're standing there in the room getting ready to fight this thing. And Jonathan backs out and you see a familiar fireball heading your way. (laughs) But...
0: But uh, so Jonathan the Magimuscular smashes down ineffectively against the humanoid and he yells, all right, let's get clear. And as he runs out, he hurls a bead at the that'll in an area that'll include everyone. But instead of an orange bead, this is a blue bead. And as it streaks out, it explodes in blue flame that it engulfs uh, part of the house and both uh, creatures that are still up. However, if you are in the radius of the fireball, uh, as Carlton is, and I'm not sure how it's set up, but the fire whips around you, uh, leaving you unaffected.
4: So... Penelope, you are momentarily surrounded by blue fire as everything goes up. As nothing made it save, as the fire dies, since it is your turn, what you see is both of the flying creatures are now smoking. Nothing's left on the ground. The remains of the house itself is creaking and struggling to for the actual wood of this building to stay upright and the red tendrils are some of them are still there but they're in just pieces or around the the two bodies on the floor really the only thing that is left is this humanoid mass of fungus standing there one of its arms and half of its side up to its face is just burnt away like so much plant matter and you can see There isn't an inside. It is just a full mass of fungus standing in front of you. It is still up, but it looks like there's not much of it left. And it is your turn. Oh, I'm stunned, aren't I? Oh, no, this is your turn. Yes. So we get to the end of your turn. The stun goes away. (laughs) <laughs> you have a moment where, when the fire is going off, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be really bad." No, no everything's fine. <laughs> you
0: see blue flames reflected in your eyes. As, as I uh, can't
4: move, I just see flames <laughs> coming towards me. Yeah, and they just pass you
5: what's, by.
0: But- what's Penelope's inner dialogue when she sees a yeah. stranger envelop her in flame?
4: <laughs> I was gonna do that. <laughs> 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 um, it is Shadow's turn.
1: Okay shadow i think everyone else was leaving the house i don't know shadow shadow left the house i guess at this point uh he
4: hasn't yet but he can if he would like to
1: i'm guessing the fireball shaped around him yes Uh, Oh uh okay it's fifth
0: level i can i can exclude everyone i need to i could even exclude a tree if there was a tree that penelope cared about i could exclude around (laughs) that too
1: all right in theory shadow should have enough motion to reach up to the humanoid and Go ahead and take an attack and then oh, I guess if he takes an attack, you can't like dodge or whatever. Um
4: Yeah, he'd have to move mm-hmm. up to it and then he'd he couldn't take it out opportunity,
1: yeah. No, Shadow is going to get out of the house. He sees Travancore doing it and he's just like he saw a blue flame, so maybe he's like in regardless of whether shaped around him or not, maybe this is not a place to be. So
4: Shadow, Shadow's gonna move on out of the house. Alright. Shadow exits the house, Bernie. It is your turn, you are no longer stunned.
3: First thing she's going to I guess she would, in order to do Inflict Wounds, she'd actually have to be real close up on that, that guy.
4: Oh, uh, what does it say? No, Inflict Wounds is touch. Then yeah, you gotta be next to it. If you want to do that.
3: She's not going to do that. She's no dummy. So she's just going to get out an oldie buddy goodie and she's going to cast Guiding Bolt. I think she's going to cast it at, how, how bad this guy looks? She going to cast it at fourth
4: level. All right.
3: That would be a 24. Oh yeah. And uh, that is 20 points of damage.
4: Bernie describe in gory detail the death of this creature.
2: Yeah.
3: Bernie just looks around at a house that is on fire. <laughs> and and she she kind of like looks back at the door and she's like about to retreat. She goes, no, I didn't take care of this shit. And she casts guiding bolt. <laughs> and the guiding bolt just hits it. And it just does what a mu- what a big poofy mushroom does when you stomp on it. And there's this huge cloud of spores. And she's, oh, oh, oh no, oh God, that was probably a bad idea. And she just runs out of the house.
4: So that's exactly what happens. And while you avoid the spores, the explosion also has almost a psychic shockwave you can almost see it as it flies through the air and i need everybody to make wisdom saving throws
0: is that another spell that's coming out
4: this is not a spell Boo. oh i had
0: advantage on those
3: i had advantage on my wisdom saving throw before god damn it
0: <laughs> oh no
2: i forgot about now that you that's learned.
3: fine okay carlton
2: uh jonathan does mind blank give me wisdom advantage
0: I think it would, if it was a charm, but I think you'll get resistance if it does psychic damage. Let me, let me look real quick. Hang on.
4: Okay. Then Penelope? 27. You save. Uh, Bernie? 23. You save. travancore 21. And Shadow? 26. You both save. Jonathan?
0: Uh, let me roll that real quick while I'm looking that up.
4: And Carlton, while he's looking that up.
2: Uh, if it's without advantage, 15.
0: Uh, I'm going to use a point of luck on my roll because that was bullshit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've
1: been taking up all the good dice, I Let's think. Let's try that again.
0: Uh, okay, I'll, I'll stand on a 22. Okay, that saves. Is
4: there anything Carlton needs to know about Mind Blank?
0: Until the spell ends, one willing creature you touch is immune to psychic damage and any effect that would sense its emotion to read it th- its thoughts, divination spells, and the charmed condition. The spell even foils wish spells or spells or effects of similar power used to affect the target's mind or gain information. So you don't get advantage, but if it does psychic damage, you don't take any. Gotcha.
4: The bad news is you fail. The good news is the 22 psychic damage does not affect you. What does happen, as most of you kind of have moved back enough away and steal yourself from what you think is going to be some kind of fungal spore thing, instead, Carlton, a vision comes into your head. You're running. You are crying. There are tears streaming down your face. And as you reach up to wipe them away, they're not tears. They're this ochre substance that's coming out. And when you look at your hands, they are not your hands. They are the hands of uh, an elegant furbog with the fur. And you look up as you've wiped these tears away and you see... A dozen, two dozen, three dozen undead, shambling, horrific zombie creatures just lurching for you, for your sisters, for your forest. And anger, an anger that is different than what you normally pull from for your rage. Just something more feral, something more instinctual, something more sad. And you look down back at your hand at this weird ochre substance, this gooey mess, and you shake it off of your hand and you bring your other hand up and the vision fades. And what do you do? We're out of combat.
2: I relay everything I just saw and I'm like, I think that's what they call magic mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Are, Are you okay, buddy? I just seen some shit. Also, I'm turning into okay. a furball. Look how hairy my hands are. Oh, wait, my hands are hairy no,
3: anymore. No, I don't think you turned into a furball. That's not
0: an actual... No. no, no, that's fine. No. We went over that, Carlton. That's, that's what they call an urban myth. Your hands don't actually get hairy when you do. And I would imagine, like,
4: Brody's like... Dump, dump, dump.
3: No, it's okay. <laughs> I don't need to be a part of this conversation.
4: Thanks for listening to our adventure. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Oddy, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, aka Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows LLC.